For 40 years on, HIV is still taking a toll on young people. That's the conversation we are about to have with Ms. Eufrida Ho, who is the author and journalist for Spotlight, NSP. Driving a fast car, getting on top of three letters, or playing the lotto for nearly 40 years from when HIV was first described, the virus is still a thing of euphemism and stigma. It's also still infecting at least some 4,000 people a day around the world, most of them young people, and especially within that segment of young people, girls, young girls and young women. Now, my guest, Euphrida, talks to us about an article that she wrote about how the world has missed certain opportunities when dealing with HIV and AIDS among young people. It's probably always a relevant topic to have given the fact that the pandemic is still ravaging many communities. It is just that possibly we are conversation fatigued and other health-related questions are now front and center, including but not limited to, for instance, all things to do with COVID. So, Euphrida Ho, thank you so much for joining us. Welcome to the platform. And you want to talk to us about some of those losses that we could otherwise have but don't have for whatever reason around HIV and AIDS, in particular around young young people. Hi, Hi, Euphrida. You got my question, hopefully. I beg your pardon? I'm hoping you got my question. Sorry, I've just missed that, Tungezo. Do you want to tell us about the wins and losses and the missed opportunities around HIV and AIDS? Okay, so I, I um, you know, as your producer was chatting to me, it really comes off, I guess, the back. Why we still, why would this be, um, it's regeneration still eludes us. And when I was writing that piece that uh, went into spotlight at, in World AIDS, on World AIDS Day last year, um, obviously one of the things was, I was finding that the more, over the last two, three years, the people that I interview are, are people who are in their 20s, maybe in the early 30s, which really begs the question why we are not managing to get people to, to not become infected. And it seems like our goal somehow has shifted to getting people onto treatment. And it struck us really that this is a really missed opportunity. And something has happened in the way we campaign, the way we bring um, education back, You'll remember, I'm sure, um, so we, the, we used to be able to drive through anywhere in, in the city or wherever, and you would see big poster campaigns. You'd see um, a lot of ads on TV, that sort of thing. And some of those things have just slipped off the radar. And there is a question about what is needed to actually revive some kind of campaigning to get to get us to that AIDS regeneration, not to these devastating statistics like we're seeing, which is like a, you know, girls and young women we know are account for, I'm just looking off my article, 63% of new infections in sub-Saharan Africa. Um, that's staggering. And um, boys and young men are, are also equally affected, even though not to the same extent. So even though we've come off global declines, I think we're still sitting with such a massive burden and we're missing those opportunities. How do we then re- invigorate that conversation that has to be had i mean we we know nothing about the dangers of hiv and aids that we knew then have disappeared Mm -hmm. granted with the advance of medicine people can live with the condition for 
that much longer and it doesn't have to be the killer that it once was. It doesn't at all take away from the inherent dangers it poses to a society and all the mm. more there should be a call for responsible living and sexual activity. How did we lose that? Because as you correctly point out, some 20 years ago you couldn't go a day without hearing anything or mm -hmm. seeing anything to do with engaging and tackling HIV and AIDS. And that's mm -hmm. probably why the stigma might still persist. It has now mm -hmm. been sitting on the back burner. It doesn't involve and engage the prominent spaces as it once did. Mm. So, you know, I just want to pause at that one that, that one point. And of course, I think the, the introduction of um, uh, um, ARVs in this country finally was a triumph. And getting us of that generation really we really owe such a huge debt to that generation of activists having said that you'll know that uh, there are things like the Rishitse, um, um community monitoring it's monitoring 400 clinics in South Africa and you'll know that even though we have treatment it's access to that treatment that remains a massive barrier people who can't get into a taxi, who are waiting on lo in long queues. We saw this with COVID, that it was especially bad when people were kicked out of clinics, um, when people couldn't actually move around. All these things have really added to this, this HIV burden. So, you know, people speak of a double, a double, a double pandemic, a double epidemic, sorry, double epidemic, um, and that's the situation we sit with. And so even though the medication and the treatment is available, it's about the access to it that, are, that really worries me because hardly, you'll know, every year we, we cycle through the same devastating, sobering statistics and we hear the same devastating stories about people not being able to get their medication. And it's, it's not even a question of stockouts. It's about, um, and I think to just move back into that first bit where you said what, what can be done, you'll see that in the article, um, uh, young people themselves are saying, you know, and a lot of people saying, you know, maybe we need to actually be asking young people, bringing them into the room, because how are young people at school level who we know are sexually active, what kind of campaigning and support do they need for to not engage in, in risky sexual behavior um, that may lead to them becoming infected and having this burden lifelong, even though it is something we can control effectively. So I think those questions are, are where, where we need to actually find platforms to actually open dialogue, to actually think through things that don't work, bring back maybe some of the old school things about school curriculum that need to change, um, to, to actually maybe just open the conversation. So, like, I know we're having a conversation today, but we should really normalize it so that it's not reserved for and for a 1st of December conversation. Let's take a short ad break. We're going to continue with this and we're especially going to have a conversation around the funding models perhaps that equally need to evolve to be a little more responsive to the present issues that are obviously raised by HIV and AIDS and whether or not from a policy perspective even we might still be doing the necessary to make sure that we are never at any other point in our history again, or in, our, in the future anyway, overwhelmed by HIV and AIDS, as was topical this time some 22 years ago, particularly around the treatment action campaign cases in the second administration under President Mbeki. 2142. Songhe Zomabete on SAFM. 
couple of years ago, the United States, through the PEFOR program, had initially said that they would cut funding to South Africa. And I know it caused serious consternation within the HIV AIDS community here because that funding does go a long way. But in the context of funding, because at least that bullet was dodged and we have still maintained that sort of support, there might be a case to be made insofar as it relates to the extent that South Africa does spend money on HIV and AIDS advocacy-related work. The game certainly has to change so as to ensure that we're not necessarily having the sort of conversation as we are having. Not so, mm. Eufrida. Yeah, I would agree with you, Sangeza. I think that um, the funding, I think that PEPFAR um, funding under the Trump administration did come as a big blow, um, especially for a lot of the down organizations that actually work um, in communities and actually really do need money from over I think our country has based a lot in in campaigns, in advocacy, in treatment. But we are still actually metric, and I think that was your opening question. That was really about how do we actually build on gains? How do we actually confront? Ufrida, I'm going to have to call it a night because we really are struggling with the line, but it is a pity we can't engage, and it is a pity this call, in fact, went on air because the quality just really wasn't good enough, and it was quite frustrating for the listener at home. We certainly do appreciate, for those of you who want to engage the thoughts of Ms. Eufrida Ho, please Google 40 years on HIV still taking a toll on young people. That's the article that I was trying to tease some of the issues coming out of. But if you want to get her thoughts in an unadulterated manner, they are available on in the Internet. Just Google her name, Eufrida Ho, 40 years on, HIV still taking a toll on young people. At any rate, the time is 21.46 and we have to call it a night.